0: In my early 40s, with a lot of life before me, and a moment came that stopped me on the dime. Spent most of the next days looking at the extremes, talking about the options, and talking about sweet time. I still sink sinking. This really might be the reason that kind of news. Me, what'd you do? Well, I went skydiving, I went rocky mountain climbing, I went on the booming, booming and I love deeper and I, sweeter. And I, gave forgiveness, I've been So may I hope you get the chance To live like you will die So finally the host Most of the time I was And I became a friend the Fred would Like to have and all of a sudden going fishing Wasn't such an imposition And I went three times that year I lost my dad and I finally read the good book And I took a good long hard look and what I'd do if I could do it all again Dude. I went skydiving Mountain climbing. and I went 2.76 on a pool named Crewman 2 And I love deeper and I flow so sweeter and I gave forgiveness I'm in the night said someday I hope you get the chance To live like you were dying yeah. Like tomorrow was a gift, and you got it in You Think about what you do with it. What would you do with it? What could I do with it? What would I do with it? Skydiving out here, Rocky Mountain climbing out here, 2.76 on the Bull and So may I hope you get the chance to live like you are dying, live like you are dying, live like you are dying.
1: looking today in Acts chapter 10 and so you can look there we're gonna be sort of skipping around a little bit uh, throughout chapter 10 but uh, my hope today is that that we're going to see that God has a plan and a desire for our lives that is probably bigger than what we even imagine. God has a mission and a purpose for us Uh, speaking of mission uh, a number of years ago there's a man who had moved to Atlanta wasn't very familiar with the city, so he decided he wanted to, to, uh, to go out uh, at a restaurant. So he's looking through to see some of the restaurants in town. Had the phone book out, going through, and he really did. He came across this one restaurant that was called the Church of God Grill. And it kind of, you know, kind of piqued his interest. Like, what in the world is that? And so he called them up, and nice person answered the phone and said, Hello, this is the Church of God Grill. And he said, What is this? And they said, What's a restaurant? And he said, uh, well, how in the world did you get that name? And they told him. They said, well, a number of years ago, we, we started a church, and uh, right after service was over, we started selling chicken dinners to try to help, you know, offset some of the cost of the church. He said, man, it got really popular. And he said, before long, we had so many people coming that we had to quit having worship services And so he said, now this was obviously a great example of a church that lost sight of its mission. Now, Village Church. um, I don't have a fear of us ever moving from Village Church to the Village Church Grill. Uh, But there are some things that I have concerns about. And one of them is that we always remember what our mission is. That we always remember what our purpose is and why we're here. And I have to say that since we uh, started in 2002, I would say that for the most part, we've done, we've, we've done, y'all have done a really good job. Uh, there's no doubt that over the years we, we have seen God do some really neat stuff here. Uh, we've seen God really give us good favor in our community. We've seen God grow and bless us with a flourishing children and youth ministry. We've seen God open up doors for us to serve in our community. We've seen hundreds of people come into a relationship with Jesus. I mean, some really neat stuff. And so there's no doubt in my mind that God has his hand upon his church. Now today we are, we are beginning a new series of messages called Live Like You Were Dying. And we we are focusing in on this because I think that there's a lot of us who, or a lot of people in general, who just sort of we sort of live life, you know, and we we go through the the regular day-to-day stuff. And then I think a lot of us come to the end of our life and we think, man, I wish I would have done more. And we kind of look back and we say, you know, if I had the opportunity to do that, I would do it differently this time. And it is my hope that that we won't come to the end of our lives as individuals, as Christians, as a church, where we look back and say, you know what, I wish I would have done things differently. Now, y'all, just to let you know, by, by nature, I'm a pretty conservative guy. I mean, you know, I don't do very many, not really very many risky things. I mean, I like to, I like to stay, I like things sort of being safe. But as I get older, and now you might think, well, it's, you get crazier when you get older. But I think there's some wisdom that's coming into my life, believe it or not. I'm starting to realize this. We don't live forever. And as I'm realizing this, I'm starting to think, you know what? Let's take some risk. You know, let's, let's, let's be challenged by what God says and let's take some chances and do what God calls for us to do and let's just see what happens. And that's the whole motivation behind this this series, Live Like You Are Dying. Uh, Today in our passage of scripture, we're going to see a guy named Peter, who was a disciple of Jesus. And he was given a challenge by God to stay true to the mission that he'd given him, but to do it in a bigger way than he ever dreamed. And that's my challenge for you and for me. That we stay true to our task, to our purpose, to our mission, which is the message of Jesus... But to be willing to do it in a way that is much bigger than we ever dreamed. You may be thinking, "Well, what in the world does that mean?" Well, we're going to look in Acts chapter ten. We're going to sort of float around in chapter ten a little bit. But as you look in that in that chapter, just to let you know, uh, Peter or Jesus had already ascended into heaven. You know, he he had been uh, executed on the cross. He rose from the grave. He ascended into heaven and then he had a meeting with his disciples, told them what to do, and Peter, who was one of my, my favorite disciples, I mean, he's a guy who's just sort of, he sort of, you know, pops off a lot, he says things he shouldn't say, he acts really quickly, and I like him a lot. Well, then Peter begins to have this real commitment to follow Jesus, and he goes around, he's preaching, people are being healed, I mean, he raised a girl from the dead, and when that stuff like that happens, that's newsworthy. I mean, people start paying attention, and so there's like this move of God that's going on everywhere that Peter goes. Everybody's paying attention to what's happening. And so this great movement of God, and I started thinking about that, and I thought, in some ways, our church right here, our community, we have seen, we've seen God move. We have seen God do incredible things in your lives and in the lives of this church and in the ministry of your personal ministries and the ministry of this church. But I believe God's calling us to more. sort so like Peter, he was calling Peter to more. Peter's doing incredible things, but he wanted Peter to to expand his ministry. And y'all, I really believe this. I believe God is calling for our church to expand our reach. Now, how do we do that? What does that entail? I really think it's very simple. It comes down to us thinking like Jesus thinks. Now, if we're going to think like Jesus thinks, there's a few things that we need to remember. One of the first things we need to remember. If we don't think like Jesus, we need to remember this. Remember, no one is beyond the reach of salvation. In other words, no one is beyond the reach of a touch from Jesus. Now, look with me in, let's see, verse number nine. And I'll just give you a quick background here. Uh, They were traveling uh, nearing the city, and Peter went up to pray on the housetop at about noon. And then about noon, what happened to him? What's happening to many of you right now? He became hungry. And he wanted to eat. But while they were preparing something, he went into a visionary state. He saw heaven open and an object coming down that resembled a large sheep being lowered to the earth by its four corners. And in it were all the four-footed animals and reptiles of the earth and the birds of the sky. Hunters, this is a verse for you. Then a voice said to him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. August 15th, that began for many hunters. No, Lord, Peter said, for I've never eaten anything common and unclean and again a second time a voice said to him what God has made you must not call common and this happened three times and then the object was taken up into heaven and while Peter was deeply perplexed about what the vision he had seen might mean the men who had been sent by Cornelius having asked asked directions to Simon's house stood at the gate okay now you're thinking this is a strange passage of scripture he has a vision about a sheep with animals on it what does this have to do with anything that we're going to be talking about today? Well hopefully I'm going to explain it. Hopefully it's going to make sense at the end. Uh, First of all, understand, no one is beyond the reach of salvation. And that is what that whole vision about the sheet is about. You know, sometimes as, as believers, it's easy for us to think that the only people who can have a connection with God, the only people that the church is to minister to are people who are just like us. Sort of like a marine commercial. You know, the few, the proud the Marines, the few, the proud, the Christians. But here's what we have to understand. Christ didn't just come here for a few good people. The Bible says that he came here for the world. He came here for everybody to know who he is. And whenever Christ ascended into heaven, it's then that Peter gets this vision. You see, guys, whenever Jesus left here, the last message that he gave to his disciples He's like, I want you to know, this message of who I am and the mission that I have for people's lives, it is for all people. Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. It says, therefore, go and make disciples. Of who? It says, of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus said... Guys, you have a mission bigger than you. You have a mission bigger than the people you're around. It is to reach others, to reach the world. You no know other disciples and followers do with that message? They didn't do a whole lot. They just sort of hung around Jerusalem. They got pretty complacent. You know, some neat things were happening, but they were not being obedient to what Jesus called them. So what does God do? He lights a fire under people so that his mission will be accomplished. And he lights a fire under Peter, and he did it. When Peter was in this town called Joppa, which is on the coast uh, of Israel. Uh, y'all, uh, I've had the opportunity to be there. Glenn and I were there this past year. And I'll just give you a little visual. It's a really neat place. It's on the coast. The water is it is so blue. I mean, it's a cool place. It's very beautiful. And this is where, where Peter was. He's getting ready to have lunch, and all of a sudden, there is a vision that comes to him, and it's told to all these animals on the sheet, "Rise, kill and eat." And some of you right now, you're thinking, the closer it gets to 11.30, the closer I am to doing that. But here's what's interesting about these verses. Why all the animals on the sheep? There are dietary laws. Now, you might might know this, or you might not. The Jewish people followed dietary laws. You go back to the Old Testament, you can read about it. God said, there's some animals you can eat, other animals that you can't. It was a way to separate God's people from the rest of the world, just to show that they were different. Now, for years, people followed these dietary laws. Peter's one of these guys. And then God puts a sheet up of all these animals, some of them unclean, and he says, Peter, I want you to eat these animals. And Peter responds saying, "Well, I've never done this. God, I don't want to do this. If I do this, I mean, I, it'll, make me, it'll make me unclean. And, and God's letting him know, all that I make is good. Now, now, now is, this a, is this a lesson on, on eating? No, there's a deeper lesson here. See, there was a barrier that stood between the Jews and the Gentile people. I'm one of them. Folks are not Jewish. And one of the barriers were the food laws. And because of these food laws, because Jewish people saw eating of all foods as being unclean, they didn't hang out with Gentile people. I mean, there was a barrier that was there. They would not share with these people because they saw them as being unclean. And so what God is doing is he's busting down barriers to show Peter that he had come for all people and he wants Peter to get rid of the obstacles and begin to reach out so that people will know that God loves them. Y'all, the same thing is still true today Jesus did not just simply come here for people with a church background, he did not just simply come here for people who happened to live in Blythewood on on Rhymer Pond Road, he came here for all people, and he came here for his message to be shared with all people. Galatians 3.28 says there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. All right, you must say then, what does this have to do with us? All right, I'm going to let the cat out of the bag. There's been something on my heart for a long time, and I don't think that it's because I ate at San Jose's one too many times and I had a vision. I really believe it's from God. Uh, whenever we started the church, when we came here, our family felt God calling us to this community years ago. And so our family moved here. And not long after that, there was another way that God began to work in my heart. And I really believe, I believe God is challenging our church to expand its reach beyond what it is right now. now what does that mean? All right, here's the scary part, okay? So y'all don't get up and run out of here. I really believe that God is is moving us to investigate, to begin to look, and to begin to prepare to start another campus of Village Church. When? I, I, my my thought, is we need to be be ready in like twenty fourteen. It's twenty thirteen now. See the next year, twenty fourteen. He said, "No, what is that going to mean? It's going to mean a lot." Um, you might say, is that going to mean anything big for us? Does it mean sacrifice for us? Yeah, it is. You know, what kind? If y'all are like me, you know, before I start sacrificing, what's that going to mean? It's going to be a sacrifice for our staff. For this to happen, it's, our staff's going have to have to, do some th- have to do extra things to help see that this happens, to help begin the process of preparing so that we can go into a new area to prepare to minister to more people. You might say, now, nah, okay, that sounds good. We can, we can live with the staff sacrificing. All right, now, here's the other part. <laughs> it's going it's to mean y'all too. Now, you might say, what way? Y'all, it's, it's, it's not going to be free for us. We have to figure out a way that we can begin to use what we receive and our gifts and offerings to help begin a new work. It's going to be a sacrifice for some of you because I believe God is going to call. We're not going to make, make anybody do anything, but we believe that God's going to call some of you to be a part of a core group that helps begin this new ministry. So is there going to be sacrifice involved? Absolutely, there's going to be sacrifice involved. Now, we're going to be the same church. What we're looking at is being the same church, just in two different locations. And just to let you know, I'm not just sharing this for the first time up here. I've actually talked to our advisory team. I've talked to our staff. And you know what they've said? They said, let's just see what happens. Isn't that neat? if God's calling us to do this let's let's see what happens and here's where I am let's go big let, you know, let let's let's we, we are willing to say God is a big God You know, I think it's time for us to move beyond just saying it let's do something and let's allow God to show us through our obedience what he can really do see we're not just here for us. We have not arrived. I believe we are just scratching the surface of where God wants us to be and that sounds so greedy, but it's not that I want to be greedy it's just that I really believe God is so much bigger than we think he is. And when when God has blessed us to whom much has been given, much is required. I believe God has blessed us so that we can bless others. So how, how do we do this? Well, It begins with us thinking like Jesus, and if we're going to do that, then we have to remember that no one is beyond the reach and the touch of God and His salvation. If we're going to think like Jesus, it also requires us remembering no one comes to Christ except by the work of the Holy Spirit. Now I know that's sort of a, a, big, little, a, big, no, big, little, a big statement there. But this statement ought to bring us some relief, and I hope to explain it. Now I want you to look in verse number 1. This is where we get to the background of the story. It says there's this guy, there's this man named, uh, man in Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian Regiment, so he's a soldier. He was a devout man and feared God along with his whole household. He did many charitable deeds for the Jewish people and always prayed to God. About three in the afternoon, he distinctly saw in a vision an angel of God who came in and said to him, Cornelius. And looking intently at him, he became afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he told him, Your prayers and your acts of charity have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa and call for Simon, who's also named Peter. He's lodging with Simon a tanner, whose house is by the sea. So that's the background of what's happening. Okay, now hop over to verse number 17. And while Peter was deeply perplexed, so Peter's having a vision, and he's confused about this vision, it's weird. He's perplexed about what the vision he had seen might mean. And the men who had been sent by Cornelius, having asked directions to Simon's house, they stood at the gate. And they called out, asking if Simon, who's also named Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was thinking about the vision, you know, this is the most important part of our text today, I believe. The Spirit told him, Three men are here looking for you. Get up. Go downstairs. And accompany them with no doubts at all because I have sent them. That's my favorite part of the verse. Now I think a lot of us, we, we, we get really, when we start talking about sharing and expanding ministry and, and telling other people about Jesus, it, we can really make a bigger deal out of it than it really is. You know, we think, well, if I'm really going to do that, if I'm going to talk to people about Jesus, if I'm going to share my faith, and it's going to be active in my life, then I need to, you know, I have to have a, a Ph.D., in Bible, I need to know 600 Bible verses, and we just sort of overwhelm ourselves with all these thoughts about if we're going to be effective, we have to do all these different things. And so we get so overwhelmed, we don't do anything. And I know most of us, when it comes down to it, is whenever we're under pressure, it's hard to perform well. You know, what happens when you get, I can tell you what happens to me when when I feel under pressure, when I'm stressed, my heart beats faster, you know, I have a hard time breathing, and I just, I don't do well. Uh, An example of this for me is, I remember whenever I was, we had moved out here and one of my best friends came to see me, he wanted to play golf. He loved to play golf. I I didn't play golf. And so, uh, I I, I played like once a year, played nine holes. The only reason why I went is because my dad, after the ninth hole, would buy me a Hershey's candy bar and a Coke. And then he'd say, you want to play the next nine? I was like, no way. Hated golf, but my friend comes out here, we go to Hilton Head to play golf. Go to a really nice course, we pull up the first tee, and I'm sitting there, and for those of you who play golf, and we're down there in the summer, I- I'm sitting there, and I look behind me in my golf cart, and there are people pulling up behind me because they're going to be teeing off after me. And I come to the realization they're going to watch me hit the golf ball. Now, if you play golf, you have to say that is more than death. One of the most frightening, th- the fr- the fr- most frightening thing in the world is to tee off in front of other guys because I'm sitting there thinking, man, they're going to watch me. And they're going to die when they see me swing a club. And so I walk up there. I'm trying to keep it together. I don't want to be humiliated. I hit my golf ball. I made contact. That's good. The bad part is that it hit a palmetto tree on the right side and went behind the tee box. And you can hear a collective groan in all the carts. I swear there's like 40 of them. And they're like, oh my gosh, this is going to take all day. We got in the cart, I drove back, I'm totally humiliated, I pick up the golf ball, and I drive straight to the second hole. I was like, forget about playing the first hole. Now, I really believe this. I believe that's how many of us look at our faith. And the whole idea of sharing our faith. We don't want to be humiliated. We don't want to do anything that's going to embarrass us, because we feel under pressure. But when it comes to being obedient to God and sharing who God is, understand this, the, the pressure's not on you. You know, did you know that, that people do not decide to follow God because of how many Bible verses you know? Now, I'm not saying it's, it's not a good thing to know Scripture, but that's not why people come to God. People don't come to God because, because you're just so incredibly attractive as a Christian. They think, dude, that's I became a Christian because that guy is awesome. That's not what happens. 1 Corinthians 12.3 says, no one can say Jesus is Lord Except by what? Except by the Holy Spirit. It is God who draws people to himself. Now that doesn't mean that we don't have a responsibility to share with other people. We've been called to be obedient. But we leave the results up to God so that pressure is not on me. And that makes you feel a little bit better. I don't have to give such an incredible presentation of who Jesus is that it's all riding on me. It's riding on the Holy Spirit. And so whenever I think of us starting a new campus, that's really taken a lot of pressure off of me. I really believe God is moving us just simply to be obedient and to take the step of reaching out into new communities so that other people can have the opportunity to have a physical presence of Village Church so that we can share the gospel with them. Now, what about the results? We're going to work hard. But guys, here's the deal. The results are up to God. The the work of conversion, the work of conviction, that is the job of the Holy Spirit. Now, I think it's interesting to look into our text, and I see that the the witnessing opportunity came about, not because Peter jumped up and got right in Cornelius' face and said, You need Jesus. That's not what happened. What happened is that, that God began the process of leading Peter to go to that man to talk to him. It was God leading him. In verse number 19 and 20, it says, While Peter was thinking about the vision, the Spirit told him, Three men are looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, and accompany them with no doubts at all, because I've sent them. I love that verse. Here's the deal. When the Holy Spirit leads us to do something, we can go towards it with no doubts at all. Why? Because God's leading. We can trust God. Pressure's not on me, pressure's not on you, it's on Him. And so we just simply follow Him and be obedient to Him, and that is all that God is asking for us. He called Peter to reach out to Cornelius. He was already preparing Cornelius to be reached by Peter. Now when Peter received the vision, what was he doing? If you look in verse number 9, he's praying. And that's just a reminder to me, Village Church, if we're, if we're going to see God and hear from God and know where to move for God, we need to spend time talking to God and listening to him. Now, how do, how do we think like Jesus? Now, how are we going to think big at Village Church? How, what, what happens? A few things to remember. First of all, first one is remember no one's beyond the reach of salvation. Second thing to remember is no one comes to Christ except by the work of the Holy Spirit. We don't have pressure on us. We're, just, we're called to be obedient. And it's the last thing. For us to think like Jesus, it requires us remembering none of us has a monopoly on Jesus. You know, he's not just mine. He's not just yours. Now look with me in verse number 28. We're going to conclude here shortly. In verse number 28, it says, Peter said to them, and then he's talking to Cornelius at this time, who's a Roman soldier. He says, you know it's forbidden for a Jewish man to associate with or visit a foreigner, but God has shown me that I must not call any person common or unclean. This is not a great way to introduce yourself to somebody. I mean, Peter comes up to him. Remember, he's Jewish. Uh, uh, Cornelius is Gentile. It's like him coming up to his house and saying, your house is really dirty, but God told me to come here anyway. Uh, If somebody did that to you, how are you going to respond? You're going to slam the door in their face, say, don't ever talk to me again. Okay, but Peter began to understand, even though this was strange to him, he goes on to say, God doesn't show favoritism. And I'm beginning to understand that God has called me To reach you, you're different than me. God's message isn't just for people like me, but it's for everybody. Village Church, I really believe that's where we are. God's called us to go in different places. This message is not just for us, this message is for everybody. Now, whenever we get something nice, what's, what, is, what is in our nature to do when we get something nice? Now, I will tell you what my nature is. If I get something nice, I'm going to show it off. I want everybody to see it. Um, this happened to me a couple of years ago. A couple of years ago, and I'm going to, this will be, uh, I got a, uh, a Mustang GT. And so it's black. I know you all have seen it. I know that you admire me. And uh, so some of you rudely call this my midlife crisis. Okay, so I don't like you. So some of y'all say that. Now, I will say this. After 11 years of riding with the family and going on trips in a minivan, I deserve it. Okay, so the Mustang, it's really cool. And I like to drive down. One of the cool things about it is this. Is there a better sounding car than a Mustang when you crank it up? Gary Collins in our church taught me this, that when you're coming to a stop sign, uh, getting her slowing down, Drop it into first gear and then let off the clutch, and man, it growls. I mean, it is so cool. So, like, I'm a you know 40 plus year old man driving up to these kids in high school, and I'm just growling and looking, at am going, yeah. <laughs> "Yeah, yeah, yeah." There's something else I'd like. Anyway, so it, I feel really cool doing that. Okay, now, now, even though I want to, I like to show it off. I don't want anybody else driving it, right? It, that's, that's mine. You can look at it, you don't touch it. And we do the same thing with our faith. We we find God, we discover God, but it's mine. And we don't share with anybody else. That's where Peter was in our text. He didn't want to share with anybody else, but he began to come to the realization, Jesus Jesus didn't just come for me. How crazy is it for us to think that? Who did he come for? He came for all of us. And for us to be smug and silent about our faith is, man, is a selfish and disobedient thing we can do. Let me close with a story. Millard Fuller is the guy who founded Habitat for Humanity you know, they got and they built houses. And he's speaking to a bunch of preachers at, at Pittsburgh Seminary, 200 of them, and he asks a really interesting question. He goes to this whole speech, talks about the mission of, of Habitat for Humanity, and he said, guys, let me ask you a question. He said, is there ever a time when you can build a house so big that it's sinful. And every pastor immediately threw up his hand. But here's what's really interesting the question he asked after it. He said, Can you raise your hands? He goes, Now I got a question for you. He goes, At what number is it that your house is so big that it's a sin? You know, how many square feet do you have to have before it can become sinful? It got really quiet. And one brave pastor who was very honest said, I can tell you. He said, What? He said, It's when somebody's house is bigger than yours then it's a sin. That's how we are as people, just in our nature. There's nothing wrong with God blessing us. They I mean, tell you something, but when God blesses us, he expects us to use our blessings to share. Acts twenty thirty five. Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Village church, live like you were dying. We have been called to share. What are we to share? Share faith. Share it individually. There are friends and people you know that you need to reach out to and tell them about Jesus, to invite them into the church, to invite them into your V group. How else do we accomplish this mission? I believe we've been called to accomplish this mission by expanding the reach of our ministry now. By looking at you know, investigating, starting a new campus. That's what we're going to do over the next several months, be, begin to investigate. How do we do this? How do we have a, a new campus where we can begin to reach more and more people. And so my my challenge for you is I want to encourage you to join with us in prayer, that God would give us wisdom, that God would open doors, that we might expand the ministry and take a risk. And let's just see what God's going to do. I believe God's going to do great things. But before he can do it, we have to be willing to step out in obedience.